0: Hello and welcome to the Sports Society Podcast, a show about everything sports. Join us each week as we review and dissect the top games and sporting events across the globe, listening to the latest news to emerge from the world of sports. My name is Dan, and as always, I am joined by Chris, Ads, and Josh. This is the Sports Society Podcast. How are we, lads?
1: Yeah, good mate. mate fantastic
2: kicking goals,
0: good stuff before we uh before we kick this session off should we uh crack a beer
1: let's do it cheers wow. boys what's everyone got cheers, cheers. just my northern as always
3: i've got a royal gala royal gala apple for oh, me yeah. <laughs> <always> been-
0: <laughs> you live life on the XBA. edge i know oh, i've got a jim and joe's pale ale be- beers and sports is what we like on this podcast. All right, let's uh, let's dive straight in. Ads, do you want to kick us off with the uh, the Nuggets and the Heat game, final game?
1: All right, so let's roll on to the NBA and lads, we have history. Denmark, the Nuggets, the Nuggets <laughs> have got their first title. Yeah, the Nuggets have got yeah, the their nuggies. first title. Anyone watch it? We did, cracker. What did we think? Oh, easy game. Oh, it was easy good game, Denver. Yeah, they looked pretty convincing. It was actually pretty tight. I actually thought Heat were going to come back and win that, especially with the last three to four minutes in the last quarter. Jimmy Butler started to um, actually show up for the game and yep. got a few points. But again, Denver just way too strong in the end. And um, yeah, yep, took the chocolates and. Took the chocolates. You know, they they well and truly deserved it. What's that? Took the chocolates. And well and deser- well and truly deserved the um, win. Hang on. So, good on you, Denver. What's took the chocolates? that took the prize? Yeah. Is that your Aussie way of saying took the
2: prize?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. Yeah, right,
3: just, it's some bit, <laughs> something the English aren't used to winning, so they're not really sure.
2: Well, if we do, we don't call it took the chocolates. <laughs> what what like yeah. Bloody Aussies?
3: They say, what, they say what, take, took the spoon, took the spoon. <laughs> fell short, <laughs> choked at cup, the end. That's you know,
0: all we <laughs> win. It was good to see Nikola Jokic get awarded the MVP. I mean, that's that's well deserved, I think, on oh. Jokic's, Jokic's behalf. You know, he averaged 30.2 points, 14 rebounds, and 7.2 assists across the series. Mm. So I think that's a well and truly earned MVP. And just to top that off, he has also become the lowest drafted player to win the Finals MVP. Wow! Yeah, so he's um yeah, well done to to Jokic. Round of
2: applause for when him. When you say lowest drafted player, what does that mean, Adam? Adam, what does the low? What,
4: What's what that? Does what was the, the lowest question? Lowest
1: drafted player mean? Just means he was the lowest pick. So in the draft, you have your pick one, two, two three, four, yeah. etc. He was the lowest pick at the time, and um. Yeah, went to Denver, and um, bit like when bit like yeah. Josh being picked last to score type thing. Right? Like <laughs> oh,
3: all, <the> <laughs> all the time, mate. I was, I was that chubby kid at the back that never got picked. A bit like um, what's the little German kid on The Simpsons? Someone <laughs> eat my chocolate! <laughs>
1: <laughs> the oh, you mean?
3: Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah. yeah Chris, that's <laughs> it. Um, Zan, I, I want to go in off what you're talking about with um with Jokic. So, I think this goes to particularly around international sport, not so much Aussie sport, but your big international sport. So, very relevant to Premier League, NBA. So, we always seem to assume that these players owe us a thing or two because of the money they're paid, but they're only paid that money because that's what they're they're worth in their given sport. So we could, without knowing a huge amount of NBA, about NBA, you could almost make the argument adds that Jokic was a big reason why Denver won their first championship. Is that right? Oh, big time. So so. he was asked at the end of the championship in his media conference that um, what's the thing he's most looking forward to doing. And he said, going home tomorrow, the next day, to which he was told that he has to stay in America for at least another week or two because they've got, parades that they have to partake in i've never seen a grown man look more so upset on the world stage and i felt for him do you and this goes to all of us do we think that our expectations on our athletes are too high do we treat them as commodities rather than humans like they are i would say yes
1: i think we ask too much of them uh at the end of the day all he wants to do is just go home and celebrate with his family although in saying that giving back to the fans that have had a long wait for Denver to get their first championship I feel like he could probably suck it up for a week but I would be in the same boat like all I would want to do is just celebrate with my family so it is pretty hard it is pretty harsh way
0: just yeah going off what you said as yeah they They definitely do deserve to celebrate with their family. Um, And I guess you could treat it like any other job, right? So personal work-life balance, that sort of thing. Yeah, you have won the championship. Yeah, you've got to celebrate with the fans and your team, but you've also got a family, you know. Um, I can see both sides of the coin. If you want to be that level professionally, then you're right, suck it up for a week. Um, you are going to get time to see your family. But at the end of the day, you've just won the championship. So you've kind of got to be expected to celebrate with your fans. Then you can go home. That's fine.
2: What would you say to your most important player if he just won the championship and then he didn't even come to parade and he just went home? Get speaking rid of him. Specific- He's not back next week. <laughs> <laughs> because of what I'm saying. What? Don't need him anymore, mate. We've won the championship. We don't need what him I'm saying, if you Imagine if Harry Kane ever won anything it's Spurs. I know it's hard to believe, but... If he just didn't go to yeah, the, very, yeah. he just didn't go to the parade for the next, <laughs> you know, two three days and just went home and celebrated his family, yeah. fans would be
3: livid because end of day fans my... are what makes the club. Exactly. See, my my issue is not that. My issue is a couple of things. First, he didn't know. Secondly, it was a it's like four five six days after I won it, and third, he's done what no one else has done before. He's led that town and that city to arguably one of, if not the biggest competition trophies of any sport in the world, he should be and is entitled because they don't get much of an off season because they'll probably be expected to be back at training in eight weeks time. So he's packed up his whole life, moved across the world, foreign country, foreign city, foreign locals, foreign customs. He's given up everything. Yes, I know he gets paid accordingly, but he would generate more revenue for that team than they would generate for him. So I just think it's too too much on him.
0: Yeah, I know what you're saying, but at the end of the day, you have to take into account that he wanted to play basketball, he wanted to be in the NBA, so he is in the NBA now. So you've got to, he's got to suck that up. You've got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, it's fantastic he's in the NBA, but you've like so there's pros and cons with every job. And his is just, it's on the other side of the world. So,
2: I don't I know, it's know a bit of a catch-22, but... I don't think we we expect too much of these athletes doing. I think we just want them to win the game, and that's it. Each day, uh, like, week by week, day by day. No. We just want them to win a, win a game. We're not asking for too much. It's the clubs that set the, you know, you've got to come train in every day at this time, and, you know... That parade's for the fans. That's not for anyone else but the fans, is it?
1: Oh, it's a professional sport, Chris. Do you know what I'm saying?
2: Like... But what I'm saying is the, the parade yeah, is man. for the fans, and I don't think we as fans expect too much from these players.
1: If I can compare that to the AFL, hmm. and let's say Essen and we're in the grand final, obviously we have the grand final parade prior to the actual grand final, I would be livid not to see. The players that are you know, that play the actual sport, like my players, my heroes. I'd be livid not to see them. So even though I know the NBA is afterwards to celebrate it, you want to see them. You want to see them celebrate. You want to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, it's a professional. I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that we don't, we
2: don't, we don't expect too much from them. So expecting them to be at a parade, isn't? I don't think it's a lot, Mm.
0: especially after they've won a
2: title.
3: We do though, because we. None of us would sit at our job, right? And these athletes, we as general public think that these athletes deserve to be insulted, deserve to basically not have a life, deserve to be harassed or hassled in public for photos and autographs. These people are humans. I know that I, when I am on annual leave, the first thing I wanna do is see my family. I don't wanna then be on annual leave and then have to go into work the next day. Like the thing is we've got, because they're on a world stage, because they get paid a lot, we think that they owe the fans everything. They owe the fans nothing. They owe the fans to perform on the field. That's what they owe. They they owe the fans performance. They owe the fans consistency. They don't owe the fans signing autographs. And I understand it's good of them, but we just put athletes on a pedestal. And when he answered that question, you could almost see his mental health deteriorate in his response instantly. When he realised that he wasn't going to see his mum and his sister and his dad and his brother when he thought he would, like these are and you boys know better than anyone. Dan and Chris, you got you boys have moved across the other side of the world. I couldn't think how how hard that would be. And imagine you had this book plant trip booked to England and you didn't realise, and then your your company just says to you, "Oh, by the way, you've got to come to our celebration tomorrow." So you're not how going. How didn't he for- know? You've got to delay. There was we? a parade for one. Like how did he not know that? Nobody, Nobody. knew there was going to be a parade.
1: It was a week later though. There'd be parades every year, whoever wins the championship. Do you know what I mean? And being and being Denver's first ever title, like I'm not sure what he was expecting. Like it's, I'm 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 still in the same boat I was at the start. Like I I feel for him, but at the end of the day, one week isn't gonna isn't gonna hurt. I think just giving back to your fans is the, the most Me important. Me and Dan part. are in a different
2: situation, right? We're all the we're so many thousand miles away across the world. We haven't got the money to fly our family over here. He could probably just fly all his family out to to Denver. We we can't do that, so he probably did do mm-hmm. that in the end. He's got his two brothers there, always supporting him. So I don't know who he's got back home. Is mum and dad or something? But yeah, I mean, I think he's a privi- he's in a privileged sports position to topic, as right? as many sports stars are and i think that you've got to deal with the crap sometimes basically because yeah. you know it's good times and bad times that come around but you know when the good times are going
3: get involved with the fans because without the fans the club's nothing i'd love to hear, i'd love to find out what our listeners think about that too so maybe if we can get something on instagram get a question out and see see what other people think about about that, that yeah, yeah. agree with me I but,
0: agree all right well Let's get at, let's get back to the actual game, right? I know we've gone off topic a little bit here. Um, yeah, Nikola Jokic was awarded the MVP and very well deserved at that. Um, another player I also thought had a, a great game was Jamal Murray. I'm, well, I'm talking specifically across the series. Um, I don't. Th- he had an all right game. For he the, had an all right game. game. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he only made six of his fifteen shots. Mm-hmm. Right, but he did get eight assists. Yeah, so I think that's yeah, yeah, it's it's more of a team player kind of thing rather than a glory hunter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking he was um, realizing that early days he was missing, you know, easy shots. So instead of um, carrying on and trying to make those baskets, he was obviously making plays for other people to, you know, get the three pointers and that. So credit to him. He, um, like I said last week, he actually had. A pretty quiet game, but a quality game. So he's still free standards, so which is good. But a quiet game for a, a title. Do you match. reckon
2: um, Jimmy Butler's been disappointing in the final series against Denver? Uh,
1: I believe so. I believe so. He, um, to me, Jimmy buckets is an A grade player. He is a four time NBA All Star player, and If I was Jimmy Buckets, I would be like, yep, give me the ball. I'll carry the team. I'm going to attack the basket. I'm going to do what I can, get us over the line. I just didn't see that with him. I just didn't see him be so aggressive as he's usually been. So when you go back, let's go back to Boston. He um, obviously scoring more. I'll get get up some um, statistics. He averaged 24.7 points. 7.5 7.5 rebounds, and 6.1 assists. So that's over a seven-game series. Um, against Denver, he averaged 21.6 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 6.4 assists. So even though he was going at three points um, below his average against Boston, his intent and his aggression towards the basket wasn't there. So And that was over a five-game series, so you got to look at the difference there. But I, I thought he was actually quite disappointing. Yeah, I agree. I think Adebayo so, out, um, for, outplayed him yeah. in all the games,
2: really. Yeah, Bam Bam. He, yeah. was, their, he was their best player. Yeah.
0: yeah. He had a fantastic yeah. series,
2: I think. Adebayo stood out for me yeah. for the heat. Yeah. I reckon if, Jimmy Butler, but he, he's if another... Jimmy Butler
1: stood up, stepped up to the mark, they would have had a better chance. Well, I'm not I'm not saying that Jimmy Butler was going to you know go out and win the series for him, but it would have made more of a difference to a 4-1 sort of slide in the yeah. series. But again, credit to Michael Porter Jr., who was um, on Jimmy and making him have tough shots and, you know, stopping his run to the basket. So credit to him and, um, yeah, credit to Denver. Well done to you guys for winning your first championship. Well yeah. deserved. Oh, yes.
0: Well done, Denver. Okay, moving on. Um, before we break down uh, the Port Adelaide and Geelong game, has anyone got any AFL news?
1: Yeah, I'll jump in there. Um I just want to congratulate Scott Pendlebury on um signing a one-year extension. Um so that now takes him to his 19th season. Um so that's a that's a wicked record for um Pendles. What do you reckon Josh? I think I think um Pendles is sitting on 370 games now.
3: He'd obviously have to hit 400, wouldn't he? Oh mate, I think When you look at Pendles, he's going to be able to go a few extra years because of the team that's around him. He gets so much cover, so much protection. But I've never seen an AFL player, and I'm talking Ablett. I've seen Ablett, Junior, Judge, Voss, um, Simon Black. But Pendles, he's almost – he reads a game in slow-mo. So he seems to have five more seconds than any other player I've ever seen. And even if you look at at this year, like he's above average for disposals. He's above average for um, tackles. He's clearances at AFL standard. He's, you know, he's hitting the scoreboard at times. Um, And what that bloke brings to Collingwood, as much as I hate to say it being a blue bagger, (laughs) watching what he brings to Collingwood, not just, on the field, but off the field, what he does with the fans, how they love him. Yeah, 100%. I think it goes without saying. He'll he'll go on in 2025 as well, and I think he'll notch up his, his 400 and be the fifth player in the history, I think, or the sixth player in the history of the game to play 400. He couldn't go past Boomer Harvey's 432 games, though, could he?
1: I know he's still 60-odd games behind now, but, mate, he's not slowing down. Like you said, just the game slows down around him. He's just one, he's the most likable player, but two, he's not slowing down in his skills, his body's holding up. Who I knows, think it's mate? the he,
3: role it's the yeah. role they play. him mean, if they if if they do what North Melbourne did with Boomer and, and put him as a hybrid small forward, I think they could most definitely but I can't see a a midfielder getting to four hundred and thirty games and if he does, in my opinion he'll be the greatest player of all time because you can't it's just tough, it's a hard game to be in the guts with, so yeah, good on him. Um love watching him play. Um
0: I wanna pose something to you, Ads and Josh. Um James Sicily, um the tackle on Hugh McCluggage, was that fair? Was it fair? Nope. Was it was it a fair challenge? No. Oh sorry. I, let me rephrase that. He's, let me rephrase that. He got a three-match ban, yeah. correct?
1: Yes, he got a three-match ban. Three-match
0: ban. Was that fair? That's what I mean.
1: Yes. Yes, I think so. I, I actually thought he deserved more, to be honest with you. But I'm happy with the AFL yeah. given three. It was a bit of a dirty act. I don't know why James would then, or Hawthorne, I should say, then go and contest it. It was never going to be overturned. Um. It was an ugly, ugly play, and yeah, three weeks was well deserved. I've got a question. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: <clears throat> Sam Wicks got a two match suspension for striking following the incident with Ryan Leicester. So, what's the difference? Because, how did Wicksie get two and Sissy got three?
3: Then, on your question, and I'll liken it to, to Wicks as well, with Sicily, and this is why I almost opposed the three week and thought it should have been less was Hawthorne paid for a biomechanic professional to come in. So a, a lady that basically um, whole careers around the biomechanics of human fundamental movement. If you watch the incident again, Sicily made the tackle. He was ready to let go. Another Hawthorne teammate, I can't remember who it was, it's, it's gone past me now, has actually pushed into Sicily, which has driven him forward, which has then driven McCluggage's head forward. I agree with um, you ads that the initial tackle wasn't great, so I think that was definitely one or two on its own. But to give him a longer suspension for the neck bend from McCluggage is so unfair because how's he going to stop that momentum when someone's pushing into him? Like, it's not it's not possible. Well,
1: I, I think the extra week's just because it's Sicily, mate. You look at his record. Yeah. he He's never going to learn, mate. He's a dirty player. It's that you know tax, what I'm saying? Isn't it? it's, it's the Toby Green tax, isn't it? Well, it makes a difference. You look at Jordan Goey. Jordan Goey got three weeks for his bump. Any other player would have got two. Yeah. So, it it comes down to the player and, you know, his history and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I... I I, I'm happy that he got three weeks. Like I said, I think he deserved more because, Sicily, you are a dirty, dirty player. I think
2: Sam Wicks <laughs> wasn't really in. that bad. Pull your head in, I don't think
1: Sam Wicks is that
2: bad
0: Sam Wicks is one. The, I want to I want to develop more on that Sam Wicks one. Um, yes, I was going to go on to that later as we break well, down the Do you want to move on to the Port Adelaide-Geelong game? Sam, right? All right. Let, let's go, let's go on to the Port Adelaide-Geelong game and we'll start yeah, with Sam, yeah. Sam Wicks. The way I... The way I viewed it, I was I was watching that game. There was absolutely no regard for Ryan Lester in that challenge. He came in with his elbow raised. It was already raised. He didn't pull away. For me, that's a disgraceful act. And he should get no less than six weeks.
1: Yeah, so jumping onto that, Wicks. Wicks actually plays for Sydney and Lester plays yeah. for the Lions. Um, but yeah, we'll jump onto that quickly. We'll jump onto that game first. So obviously... He jumped into him. It was late, mate. Like, deserved the two weeks. Again, coming back to the record, he's not a dirty player in the past. So that's why I think he got the two weeks I don't and not think the three that. weeks.
0: But why should that excuse him? Just because he's got no dis- disciplinary record. So that means you can just run and elbow someone in the face and get away with two weeks. I didn't weeks. think it was an elbow.
1: Was it an elbow? I am not. Sh- I'm- I thought it was his hand. Elbow, to the face? It was it an elbow, elbow. yeah. Oh, elbow. Yeah. It? It, it was an elbow. Look, being a, being a footy player myself, when you're playing in the game, like, things go fast, mate. It, it happens. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you you tackle someone, you sling him. You don't mean to hurt anyone. All, he probably just went to smother it, you know, two seconds later, he's elbowed him in the face. Things happen at a high intensity and, do you know what I'm saying? So, I, I, I'm I, happy you got the two weeks because it's still not a good look in the AFL, not a good look in any game. But, like I said to you, he's a lot more... Do you know what I mean? Like a lot more, less dirty than Sicily, and that's why I got two weeks. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All
0: right, all right. Let's back back to the Port and Geelong July, game. Yeah. We'll, we'll eventually get the players <laughs> These right. English so- <laughs> lads don't know what games.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what I do know is an eleven-game winning streak for the Power now.
1: Wow, well, are,
0: are they? Are they going to win the flag?
3: Um, no. I think I I I love what they're doing. Um, and I think their improvement. Everyone talks about Butters, Rosie, Alia, Alia. Yes, superstars. But I'm a firm believer, and I think this goes across any sport in the world. I don't care whether it's NBA, NFL, AFL, EPL. Your bottom six, your lesser players, are your most important yep. players. If you're, everyone's got superstars in their team, yeah, right but if you're bottom 6 if your lesser known players are performing to an elite standard you're going to be you're going to be fine and, and ports bottom 6 and I hate using the word bottom 6 because it's almost like an insult but Miles Bergman, Dan Houston is probably not a bottom 6 player but I bet you a lot of you boys probably haven't heard of of Dan Houston or realized how important he is no, but great. what I know yeah go ads no no sorry i was saying he's great Yeah. What I noticed with Port is their system is flawless. Like they play, they know when to play quick. They know when to move the ball through the middle. They know when to slow the play down. They know when to go physical. They know when to go uncontested. They know when to go contested. Um, And their inside 50 efficiency at 58% is just huge. Like they're scoring 58% of entries, which when you think about that six on six, that's a huge discrepancy, and Geelong's back six aren't anything to sneeze at. So, um, in my opinion, yes, I think Port's are premiership favourites at the minute.
1: I disagree. I'm still, I'm still going off being at the MCG, the grand final, playing at the G, until I can see them play Essendon next week or the week after. Sorry, after their bye, um, I just can't see them being favourites. I know Collingwood had a bad game, uh, King's Birthday, but Melbourne, mate, they. Come back and they look good, so can't write Melbourne out at the G. So I just can't, I can't see Port winning at the G at the moment. I'll, yeah, I'll make make them flag favourites if they beat Essendon convincingly. But until then, they're
3: definitely a chance, though, aren't they? They 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 are yeah. a chance. Like you can't oh, one hundred
1: percent, mate. They're they're going to be top two at the end of the year if yeah. not minor. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're definitely giving themselves the best chance of having a double chance in the finals, but you gotta win games at the G, mate, and. Unfortunately, sorry, win their grand final at the G, and we'll see. We'll see if they can.
0: So, do you think they looked vulnerable at any point during that game? Oh yeah, Last year, in the first quarter. they looked. They looked vulnerable in the first quarter. It seemed. It seemed like they were just chasing their tails, but they did pull it back in the second term. But I think now other teams will realise that they are vulnerable.
1: Well, Go it's ahead. the old cliche with. Geelong being the old old boys, mate. They were just trying to get home to the retirement home Yeah. half-time. Yeah. <laughs> nah, well, yeah, go. go right. You
3: go. Yeah, yeah so well, you hit I the think, nail on the head. And, sorry, mate. You go. Nah, it's, just, it's a really interesting topic and I think vulnerability we see as a negative, but what we've got to remember is these teams, like Geelong's a reigning Premier, but not just that. This is professional sport. Of course, Teams are going to have slumps. The fact that Port Adelaide were being written off in that first quarter, I was even writing them off. I was even thinking, here we go. This, yeah, is, this is the slump I've been waiting for. And then they just kick into this second gear, in the, this fifth gear, sixth gear in the second quarter. And they blow Geelong away, which is not an easy thing to do. And then they maintain that for the rest of the game. Like, Vulnerability is a good thing. I think it gives Port a chance to go into the bye. Understanding their deficiencies and actually working on those deficiencies,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. But I feel like they realized that they were chasing their tails in the first half. Um, but they went on a seven goal run in the
1: third quarter, and that's the premiership
2: quarter, lads. Yeah, just what you were saying on vulner- vulnerability there, Josh. Um, did you see that Patrick Dangerfield played with a collapsed lung for the part of the game and a and cracked a crack rib. rib? So Mate, hats off
3: to second quarter. He he sustained that, so he played about 120 minutes of about 100 minutes or so of of football in the midfield with a collapsed lung and a cracked rib. That, as much as the bloke annoys me at times, that is do you
1: you know what that gets you? Do you know what that gets you? That gets you respect from your teammates, yeah. Being able to be out there hurt, injured, but nah, boys, I'm here, I'm your leader, I'm your captain. Follow me. Let's get this win. Although they didn't get that win. Yeah. Partially collapsed. That's seven, in a that's broken a and, that's... and he's still running about making tackles. And that's a Selwood. And that's how I think he's trying to, you know, be captain on the previous Geelong captain Selwood. Yeah. So quality. All right,
0: Brisbane, Sydney. Um, now you can talk about Sam Do we watch that one? <laughs> yeah, you can talk <laughs> about <it. laughs> right, Back to what we were saying before. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've already I'm, covered it. All right, let's, let's, let's go on to another, another, in inverted commas, dangerous tackle. Uh, Jared Berry. Apparently, it was a sling tackle on Will Hayward. I don't think it was.
1: I am so glad. So glad it wasn't um, reported. It was reported on the field, but they've just come out and said that it's not reported anymore. Because what he actually done was he tackled him and lowered him to the ground. Look, a little bit of the head hit the ground. But it was only one motion, wasn't a sling, you know, he, it's in high intensity game, you know. So I'm glad he got off it. And he, his face when he actually got reported was like, "What am I meant to do? What am I meant to do as a player when I'm tackling this guy at high intensity? How am I meant to protect myself, protect him? But like it, it's gone too far, mate. The bloody rules gone too far. Mate. Well, it it's wasn't. It wasn't two movements. No, it wasn't.
3: It wasn't a sling. It wasn't nothing. No. The the thing is, it's an outcome based industry, which I can't stand. So Toby Green was interviewed before his um, milestone game with Geelong, and he was asked if he's if he's aware of the rule, and he said that Kingsley, so Adam Kingsley, the coach, the footy department, and himself watched it. So the AFL sent a memo out to all the clubs saying this is what constitutes a fair tackle and this is what constitutes an unfair tackle. GWS chose not to show their players because they thought it would confuse them more because one of the tackles that they showed was a fair tackle looked exactly the same as the one they showed was an unfair tackle. The only difference was bloke B got knocked out, bloke A didn't. So the AFL just come out and say, if you tackle someone, they get knocked out, they're gone. Doesn't matter because that's what it is. Let's be honest. Which is wrong because in a game that's such quick move so quickly and is so physical, you're not going to sit in your head and say, oh, yeah, I'll tackle him to the ground, but I'll ease him to the ground and give him a little kiss on the forehead when I put him down. Like, Just mm. come out and say, someone gets cussed t- from a tackle, you're gone. Because it yeah. does my head in.
1: It's gone too far, eh? It's gone way oh, too 100%. far and they need to bring it back. Do you think soon,
0: sooner or later every player is required to wear a, a crash hat? Whatever you want to call them? A helmet. A helmet, yeah. It doesn't help
1: though. Crash hat. Like what are
0: we
2: crash you can, the, the thing is, you get a hit, right, and your brain still gets wobbled. That's the thing, yeah. What's happening on the inside? And you're going to get that regardless of a helmet or no helmet.
3: The reason why the AFL are doing this is I almost am with them to an extent is because you currently got a lawsuit of 30 to 40 past players who were who wanting to sue the AFL for millions of dollars for negligence around concussion. So the AFL to protect themselves, they're basically saying you you knock someone out, you're gone. So I sympathize, sympathize with them because what you got, and this is why it annoys me when clubs fight and players fight suspensions because 12 years later, the same players that were fighting to play are now suing the AFL. And it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, if you're, if you're going to tackle and you're going to get concussed and you're going to challenge that tackle, but then 12 years later sue the AFL for all this brain impairment that you've got, it's like no one's making you play the game. You're choosing to play. Yeah, I don't choose to box because I don't want to get punched in the head. So, like, I'm sorry, but I feel sorry for them. But you want... The AFL to take concussion serious, then you have to you have to make a statement. And I I feel for the AFL in this because it's damned if you do, damned if you don't.
1: I do feel for him, but I feel I feel like it's gone too far. Well, the whole what can you do? What can the oh. AFL do about it? Because a similar
2: situation like this happened in England, where where rugby union went from you can only tackle around the hips, so it has to be below the hips, and if you're not seem to be in that position, about to make that tackle. If you're slightly high or if you're shoulder charge, then it's yellow card straight away. So can't they bring something like that in, like rules around tackling?
3: It just it wouldn't work, mate, because AFL's from all angles, right? So with Rugby Union, you're getting tackled from a front-on position and maybe a side-on position, mm. right? AFL, you're getting tackled in the air, so you, you, there's no such thing as you can't in, you know, in rugby, you can't tackle someone while they're in the AFL, you can. You can't tackle someone, but you can make contact. You can tackle someone from the side. As long as you don't get them in the back, you can tackle them from behind. You can tackle them front ways. If you tell people you have to tackle on the hip, then you're going to have people getting low for the tackle and they're going to get concussed from head to hip, right, or knee to head. Um, it, it The AFL, I think, are doing what they can whilst trying to appease... Run out. Where,
2: where would you say most of these dangerous tackles are coming from from their blind side
1: James Sicily no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Matthew sorry on, keep going
0: I think you you just said it there Josh I think a good place to start is no tackling in the air you can contest in the air sure but
1: it's it's it just a work, ask, it's, it, it's
0: a recipe of course it would it works in rugby absolutely fine and there's blokes twice the size.
1: The games becoming touched as it is, Dan. You
3: know yeah, I'm, I'm not like saying. We're...
0: I'm not saying. I'm not saying get rid of tackles. I'm just saying you don't ta- tackle someone in the air because it's dangerous.
3: Too much for the umpires, man. You've got too high in the back, chopping the arms, tripping uh, below the knee, um, front on contact. These are six rules that the umpires already have to try and adjudicate in one marking contest. If you then Stand add on another. Rule. You can't have your arms around. You can't grab a jumper. You have, like
2: Bring in a video-assisted video referee. Really
3: too quick of a game.
2: Yeah, that would ruin it.
3: Like even goals. Fans are impatient with, with goal reviews because it takes too long. Our game's so unique because of how quick it is. It's always, yes, it's sloppy, but it's always going. It very rarely stops. So I just don't think it'd work. But who knows what they're going to do. I'm glad it's not me making those decisions, though. Yeah. I am glad Barry right.
0: got off, though. All right. Yeah, going did, back to that actual game.
3: Interested.
0: Josh, how did you view that game? Who were the better team, in in your personal opinion?
3: Um, I think there's a clear Premiership hangover, with, with Sydney being the runners-up and Geelong being the Premiership contenders, before I get on to the Lions. So this time last year, Sydney and Geelong were sitting at 16 wins. The same round this time this year, they're both sitting at nine wins combined. So, both teams are on struggle street. And, um, the Lions, mate, the Lions do what the Lions are expected to do. They win at home 25-4 and four from the last 29 games. They've won 25 of them. Away from home, they've won 16 and lost 17. So, the Lions win at home. They'll beat pretty much anyone at home. But until I see them win away, much like what Ad said with Port, I've really got yeah. much to comment on with the Lions. They're great at home, but away from home, they're no good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no I agree, but I thought personally that Sydney they were the better team despite the scoreboard. I thought Sydney's midfield were good. I'm not going to say they were perfect. They were good. Uh the way the team moved the ball was great. But I think Brisbane were just more efficient in the inside 50. So they had 53% to Sydney's
1: 39% efficiency. I think the Swans yeah. were lucky to only lose by 16 points, mate. You look at Brisbane Lions, 13, 19 points, mate. They could have been smashed.
0: They kept Charlie Cameron. They kept Charlie Cameron at bay. Three goalless kicks from seven disposals. They kept, and you can't... He's
1: arguably their best forward. Arguably. They were missing Isaac Heaney and Lance Franklin as well. Yeah, they haven't been in the best of form anyway. But coming back to the Lions, mate, the Lions, if they had done 19, 13, and swapped their numbers around, they end up winning by 45, 50 points, and we're like, well, where's the Swans? Where, where did they go? Where did they play? Where did they... Do you know what I'm saying? So we're only saying the Swans actually played okay because of the margin was only 16 points, but the Lions outplayed them convincingly. Yeah. So they just kept the Swans they got in more. From Are
0: you saying because missing... they've got more
1: behinds? Oh, I'm just saying because, obviously, because they've got 19 behinds, they kept the game open, and 16 points doesn't look like a, a bad game, but yeah. the Lions smashed the Swans in every contestant.
0: Eh? Mm. A player that stood out for over. me is Jas- Jas- Jasper Fletcher. Debut goal, yeah. that fantastic 35-metre run. He finished with one goal, two, 13 disposals. Do any of you think he looks promising? Or was it like... he like his
3: dad. His yeah. dad was a Queensland... Oh, sorry, Queensland a Brisbane great in the 03 treble. Um, and the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, so... Not at all. Um, they've got a few good father-sons. They've got Jasper now. They've got old... Um, just had a mental blank. Um, Ashcroft. The kid from Ashcroft. this year. Ashcroft. 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 Yeah. Who was, who's the son of Marcus. So, um, yeah, yeah Brizzy, Brizzy are good at home, but I'll come in on them once they start winning away. Yeah,
0: I'm the same. Yeah, okay. No, well said. Let's move on. All right. Let's move on, mate. I'm I'm going to start this off. Richmond and St. Kilda. Um another loss for the saints however i'm not going to i'm not going to sit here and and just slag the saints off cuz i know i know we lost by by 20 points but i really don't think we played that bad i think the midfield was good you had crouch with 33 disposal sinclair with 31 hill with 31 ross with 25 i think defensively it was it was hit and miss the saints we did fight right up until the final siren and a shout out to Dan Butler for stepping up against his former club with three goals but i think our our efficiency going forward we as i say we St Kilda St Kilda scored 15 times from 61 forward 50 entries that's 24% while Richmond scored 25 times from 58 entries that's 43% so Richmond were just more efficient in that sense. How I does... think you guys
1: got towed up in the midfield, mate. Do you think so? Richmond were all over it, 100%. So you have a look at the clearances. Richmond 47, yeah. St. Kilda 38. The centre clearances 17 to 8. I yeah. just don't think St. Kilda can play in wet weather. And I'm spewing at our tip St. Kilda because I thought it was dry.
0: I know we was having though. a little chat was having a little chat in the group chat last night and you saying about the rain, but I, I didn't see like that was just a massive downfall for St Kilda. Yeah, it started absolutely hacking it down, but I didn't really see the game change for either team. No team it, dominated in that rain.
3: No. Nah. It does. Richmond won a premiership based off their ability to dominate in the wet Um so as soon as it starts to rain, you don't want to be playing Richmond. Um, they give away a lot of free kicks. I think the free kick difference was about eight or something against St Kilda. Um, but yeah, it was 25
0: they, free kicks to St Kilda to Richmond's 12.
3: Yeah, so 13. But Richmond cop that on the chin. And, and once again, I don't like Richmond. I hate Richmond. But credit where credit's due. They are a physical side. They play Awesome contested footy, and to be plus nine center clearances in, in a game um, where there were yeah, how many goals? They yeah. well, just got bullied you and,
0: I feel like, like we got that. bullied in the final quarter, though. I feel like for three quarters the game was it was a toss of a I coin. F- I feel, I feel. And I'm not just that, saying too. that.
2: First quarter, I thought Max King was going to do some bits because he he kicked two goals in the first quarter against, and he was out-muscling Bolter. But then after that first quarter he didn't do anything. Bolter had him in the pocket.
1: Mm. Yeah, because it was wet. Me... Bolter's a bigger bloke. Kingy yeah. just couldn't get near it. He's just a no. bully, mate. Like it's just
2: Well what Max King's you Max King's you. six foot eight. Bolter's six foot four. So he's got four inches on him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you now, Bolter will flick him over like a toothpick. You mate. see them scrapping... and in wet You <laughs> See them scrapping in the first wet quarter. Wet weather. Kingy you might as well just take a King, he might as well just take a seat in the bloody podium, mate, because he ain't doing anything on the ground. Nah, bowl, he's a, <laughs> a bit of a beast. I, I, have n-
0: I have no idea how Higgins and King missed those two easy shots at the end.
2: Oh, Did you mate, see oh that? Oh, my God. I remember te- messaging you, like, Max King Great is time. back. The old King is back. <laughs> yeah. Um, mate,
3: the f- if, you ch- if you try and kick a, a Sharon right... It, when it's been raining, there's no grip. It's like a bar of soap, yeah. right? I it's get not, it, right? Dustin's the only player that that I've seen that's been able to do, or not only player, but one of the only ones on the field in Koch. Um, and I want to get to another player shortly because I loved his game. But Higgins and and, and Max, you got to remember too, Max has is, is done bloody well considering he's coming off a long-term injury. Um so, I thought, I agree with you, Dan. I think the Saints were good, but I think, I think Tim Taranto was a difference. Like, he, Tim Taranto, 6.5 kilometers run, um, one goal won, 38 disposals, 10 tackles, and 18 contested possessions is... You will not get a better game than that. And, and he's the reason why Richmond won. It's simple. And they, that was the type of player
1: that the Tigers actually wanted to draft over from the Giants. That Taranto there that played is the reason why he got brought into the club. Yeah. He's he's hard at the he, footy. He's a bully. I know he turns the ball over now and then, and you take that with Taranto, but, mate, does he win you the footy? 38 disposals, mate. Cracking game.
0: I mean, even in that fourth quarter, he got 13 disposals, six contested yeah. possessions, three tackles, and a goal.
2: So, the game was on he, the line, he, too.
0: Yeah, the game was on the line. So, yeah, he was a massive help to Richmond there in that final it quarter. So, credit, credit to him.
1: But I'm I just definitely I won't be surprised if you'd be getting the three votes. I, yeah. I, I don't.
0: I just, I just don't think it was a a Richmond all-out dominance. Yeah, the well, last quarter think- they kind of ran away with it a little bit, but aside from that, I, I feel like so, it was Saints fought man. So
1: mm. credit credit to them. Mm. They did. They fought. They fought back. But there was just no end yeah, product. I, I think Richmond were never losing that. Yeah, nah. There was no end Like product. you just
0: said there, Chris. No end product.
2: They'll get that like like no, when no, like we we're watching in the the last quarter of the game, Max King missing right in front of goal. So they can do all the good stuff, but when it gets to the fifty, they can't put it in the goal. What's the point? And I thought yeah, I exactly. thought Shea Bolton had a cracking game as well. He was everywhere. Yeah, like, he did
0: have a great game. He was yeah, he was. So before we move on, I've got a question from one of our listeners. Shout out to Chris Coglan for sending this in. Um, I'll let Ads and Josh. I'll let both of you answer this question. So Chris has said when St Kilda fall behind do they revert to the old St Kilda by just bombing the ball long does it seem like they just give up
1: Well no. not not in previous weeks obviously on the weekend they did because obviously it was wet weather you're not going to be able to hit up your short
3: 45s it's it's wet weather footy you're going to go down the line you're going to it's going to be a contested game mate this season for St Kilda has been so far has been a resounding success. Ross has got this team humming nicely and, you know, you watch that game against the Tigs and if it weren't for Taranto and St Kilda had a player who could step up in that last quarter, i.e. Max King kicking that goal or Jack Higgins converting that goal, could be a different game completely. Um, wet weather footy, you just got to get the ball as deep as you can, as quickly as you can because you're not going to be clean and silky. So, I think St Kilda's have watched this face. I think that they're a much better outfit led by Ross Lyon. Um, yep. So,
0: I agree. Up the Sainters. Up <laughs> Hopefully the we finish inside the top eight still. I know, Ads, you're, you're convinced they will. But we'll at the end of the day, we'll just see what happens.
2: Did we touch on Kotchin's last game?
0: Yeah, shout out to, to Trent. 300, 300 games. I thought he had a fantastic game finished with 29 disposals, seven score involvements and two goals himself. So what and an impressive performance. Yeah. Great game. Conveniently it was It, it came with a win. So shout out to Trent
1: Champion. Good on the Tigers for getting that win for him. Yeah. Yeah. They that's all know it. how much it means to him and he's a good family man Trent, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But up the to <laughs>
2: So
0: so Chris um, would you like to start us off on some football transfer news?
2: Yeah, let's get into it. <coughs> we'll start with world's best team, Arsenal. Um, obviously, Declan Rice, the bid's been rejected, the first initial bid from uh, about 88 mil. I think they're holding out for about 100 mil. So I wouldn't pay 100 mil, but <coughs> I think they just want to get their man. They just want to get their man. You see Man City lurking in the background, so I reckon they'll pay it. Yeah because 'cause you've got you've got Jude Bellingham going to Real Madrid for what was he, eighty five ninety mil? 85, 88, Eighty
0: eight point five mil, but it could rise to hundred and fifteen mil. That's including add ons. But
2: would you pay Go on. the same would you pay more than that for Rice? I wouldn't pay any more than a hundred for him. Yeah. He's he's worth it. He is worth it. He's got the English tax as well. Yeah. So yeah. he he's a good player and he played well the other night for England, so yeah, he's a solid, yeah.
3: solid
2: centre midfielder. So, yeah, hopefully, oh, 100%. That, hopefully that gets
3: over the line. News today is broken or, or really strong news today is that PSG have put on the table Mbappe oh, yeah. and said that they are more than happy to sell him for the right amount. Man United have apparently come sniffing. Will uh, Mbappe going to Man United, if he does, will that skyrocket United up to championship contention or not? I'm telling you now, Josh, he will not go to Man United. Well, where's he going to go? Because they... don't know. PSG don't want him. Well, they do, but they sit... The whole
2: thing about um, Mbappe going to United is because of the Qatari bid. Hmm. The guys who own PSG have some sort of ties with the guys that are going to buy United, and they said... They're, they're sick of him basically at PSG, and they would be willing to sell them on to to the guys who are going to run United if the bid goes through. So that's why the rumors there.
0: How can you be sick of Mbappe?
2: If he signs for any team, they're going to be in contention, like especially United because they did well last season. They finished third. But I think you you put Mbappe in that equation. Like the guys in real. All jokes aside, he's it's dangerous he's a anyway yeah very dangerous rapid skillful can he's a he's a playmaker and a goal scorer so yeah 100% i agree josh he, he he will he will project united into the to the contention for the title 100%
3: have you heard the part 2 the rumor today apparently so apparently mbappe and this is i'm reading it directly from a website now yeah has also said that he would be open for a move to the Gunners as well, and apparently there's some interest from Arsenal. We won't be able to afford
2: it.
3: For... Well, Arsenal
0: are interested in absolutely everybody. Yeah. That's what comes of every single transfer season. I'm sure they was interested in Ronaldo and Messi as well. But
3: But they're they, they're bound to land a few, aren't they? So and yeah, you they will. have a lot of your younger developed players. A lot of Arsenal squad are there your own developed academy players, aren't they? A few yeah, quite a few of them, yeah. But you know, um you know the owner knows, of Arsenal, Stan
2: Crogan, he's the owner of the Denver Nuggets as well. And he's the owner of the LA Rams. So they've won the they've won the Super Bowl, they've just won the um the NBA finals, so now he wants to win the Premier League or Champions League or something with Arsenal, so he's
1: get the traffic though. yeah,
2: he's promised, you know, a cash injection into the club, which is probably why we're we're interested in all these players, which brings me on to the next player we're interested in, which is out of nowhere, Kai Havertz from Chelsea. I I saw this. I did not expect to see this. And apparently he's keen. Do you reckon you'll get him? It's really, there's some really concrete talks going in, like really advanced negotiations.
0: But you've got to, you have to ask yourself, if you do sign him, where does he sit in Arsenal?
2: Mm, Yeah, I I mean, I can't, I can't see it. I reckon he'd be a a second um, player, for Martin Odegaard's
0: position. 100%, but then do you just play one CDM as opposed to two? You traditionally play two.
2: We only played one last year, so it was either...
0: You played one last yeah, year? Yeah, we only
2: played party in that position. We pushed Xhaka up front, and then um, Zinchenko came in to, to play that position.
3: So, speaking about that provisional talks, so I, I firmly believe that there has been a indirect agreement signed by habits to, to join Arsenal and also David Raya is it Raya is it David Raya what's his name again David David yeah, Raya yeah, yeah. has signed formally with Tottenham. However, they are unable to make international signings until the first of July. So it is firmly believed that Raya and he's actually put an Instagram up post or a Twitter post up recently saying that he's ready to take on Europe. So, um. He will sign and be officially a, a spur on the 1st of July. But given the rules, no international transfers can be made till then. So I believe that you will see, yeah, with Larice gone. Yeah. And, yep. and Ryan, I'm happy with who that. I think was yeah. Best goalkeeper in the Premier League last season. So. Very good signing. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm happy with that deal. Very, yeah, very good. That's side. a fantastic signing. I think we've been, I mean, yeah, Larice has been French number one for a long time now. But I think, yeah, in his most recent years, like as as all players as they get older they do decline. So I think David Raya coming in, that's a that's a fantastic opening for Spurs now. I think I hey, he'll be good. I think he'll do well. Yeah. He'll do well at Spurs. Yeah,
2: yeah. he's a quality goalkeeper.
0: Um Yeah, a hundred percent he is. I just wanna you you said it at the start, Chris, about Jude Bellingham going to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um I want to I want to ask you a few questions and break that down a little bit more. Go on. Yes, we all know Jude Bellingham is a fantastic player, mm-hmm. right? He is young. Um but where does he fit in Real Madrid? Does he make that starting lineup? Cuz you've got you've got some serious competition at Real Madrid. You've got Cruz, Modric, Camavinga, Valverde, Shuamini, Ceballos. Well, where's he going to fit in all of Camavinga's that?
2: Camavinga's been playing left back. Most of the yep. season, um, Sabyas yep. he he gets in in front of Sabyas all day. Um, yep, I agree. Juremi, I think is, I think he starts with alongside Juremi. Tony crows on the bench, Modric in front of him. I think that's your midfield. Like you've got two young midfielders. I reckon Bellingham yep. will be the best English midfielder we've seen since Lampard. Sent yeah, in
0: I I could not agree with you more. I mean, he all he started at the mighty Blue Boys, Birmingham, and and Borussia Dortmund bought him for twenty five million. Now look at him now. That's what three years later bought him for twenty five mil and then sold him for eighty eight point five, well, one hundred and fifteen including add-ons. So. Great, great business. He's also
2: got a really good head on his shoulders as well. So he's really mature. 100%. He did an interview with TalkSport at 16 years old. And I was listening to the other day and he was so switched on. At 16 years old, you don't expect to to even hear some guys on um, giving interviews, but he was giving it, just saying like how, how he played and what the game is. I think he was playing against Villa or something for Birmingham. He was like saying how hostile the the atmosphere was, but he relishes the, the occasion. Mate, he's going to be a quality player he's 19 years old 19 years yeah. old playing for real madrid Imagine yeah that. I agree um all right so we're going to move on to rangers anyway
0: yeah thanks ian for the um for the questions he's asked um about some rangers transfers one in particular um sam lammer's uh, so rangers have signed sam lammer's from at atlanta for around 3 million pounds um he's a 26 year old uh dutchman um, he's six foot three centre forward, and he's got 55 goals to his name since 2015. So, albeit not a great goal scoring record, but hopefully you'll bag a few goals from Rangers. I mean, he's a, he's a tall forward. Um, I know you've got Tavernier at right back, so if he can swing a few balls um, into him, I think you'll bag a few goals. Because The most goals scored by a forward in the 22 23 season was 14, and that was by Kolak, and he's at five foot eight. So, I mean, if the ball comes in the box, then hopefully a couple off the Swede will will bag a few goals. Um, they've also signed Chris. You'll remember this guy, Jack Butland.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, he has signed for Rangers on a four-year deal, and will become the club's new number one. He's got nine England caps, um, and was on loan to Manchester United from Crystal Palace. So that's that's a, that's another great signing. Um, what a name. Also, butland jack butland um and here's here's one signing that that stood out for me for rangers um they have completed the signing of chelsea academy graduate dujon sterling on a four-year deal now you do a bit of research into him he seems incredibly promising he's a 23 year old defender he is quite versatile so he can play wing back or a winger He's gained experience with loan spells at Coventry, Wigan, Blackpool, Stoke, and has represented England up to an under-20s level with 39 caps all up. Um, He was named the team of the tournament for the under-19s Euros. So, like I said a minute ago, that's definitely an exciting prospect for Rangers. Um, And then the only other signing they've made is an attacking midfielder, Kieran Dow, from Norwich. Um, 67 appearances, 11 goals, so... I think Rangers definitely look threatening now with Postacoglu gone. Potentially, Rangers might step up now, so we'll see what they can do.
2: Well, Celtic haven't made any signings yet, have they? And Rangers seem to have signed some decent players, so it looks like they mean business.
0: They definitely mean business. So up the Rangers, I think. We're also
2: interested in Arsenal. Arsenal's Austin trustee. He's a oh yeah, okay. he's a centre back from the States.
0: I, I remember him from the World Cup.
2: Yeah, it's only a three yeah. million pound move, so yeah, I think he's a I think he's a decent signing. That's all it takes sometimes.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Is anyone got any other transfer news, or should we move on?
2: Uh, no, that's it really. It's all for transfers.
0: All right, let's move on to state of origin news. Um, we'll keep this brief. Um, it is on Wednesday, so we will review the game on the next episode. Um, I think the the biggest news to come out of this week is Latrell Mitchell. Um, he is he playing Josh or is he not playing?
3: No, so no Lattrell, no um, Nathan Cleary, Liam Liam Martins most likely not going to play. And also, as of now, Cameron Murray is also in doubt. So New South Wales could very be much be. Well, they will be without Lattrell and Nathan Cleary. And most likely, they're going to be without Cameron Murray and Liam Martin as well.
0: So only one question I want to pose to you, Josh. Like you say, with Cameron Murray out, you've got Coruscant out, Burton out, Cleary out, Hines out, Pangai Jr. out. The question is, are
3: New South Wales
0: going to get battered on Wednesday? In in
3: theory, yes, but Origin does funny things. Um, You and I were having a chat yesterday about how it gives... People a chance who might, and we saw it with the storm last night. We'll get on that shortly. But when the chips are down, you give people a chance. And sometimes people just step up and play with absolute determination. And and Queensland, if Queensland go into that game even 1%, 2% off their best, then New South Wales can win that. So on paper, Maroon should dominate. But heart goes a long way. So it'll be an interesting game. Yeah.
0: 100%. One player I want to look out for for Queensland is again I can I always mess his name up Josh so help me out here is Tino Forsure Maliayi.
3: Tino Forsure yeah. Ali. Yeah,
0: Ali. Ali. There you Ali. go. So look out for him. He is just a devastating force. So I think he's aggressive. He wants to play the game, you know. He's he's such a good back rower. He's a back rower, isn't he?
3: Yeah. Yeah, big yeah. boy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so look out for him. So it would be very interesting to see what that score is on uh, on Wednesday. What's your predictions though, Josh?
3: I think Queensland, I think the Maroons will get up 24-12.
0: 24-12.
3: I think it'll be quite tight. And then I think the Maroons will blow New South Wales away just at the end.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I reckon uh, Queensland will win at least by 16. Hopefully
3: it's close. I want it close. I'd, I'd love to, for it to go down to game three. So even though I don't really follow any state, I'm more of a Maroons man, but I'd love yep. for New South Wales to win so it goes to game three. So hopefully the Blues win. Nah. Not the only Blues to win this week. It'll be then either, mate.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've, we, talk, we talk about Carlton all the time. <laughs> we'll give him a rest this oh, week. Oh, he's got now. a nice little he's...
3: smile on his
0: face
1: today, doesn't he? <laughs>
0: We'll wait for next week when you get battered again. So
3: the blues are back. Hey, we've got a buy next week, mate. So we can't lose. I'm loving it. So we're no, going to be two weeks un- undefeated for two weeks. They will that's, find a way. They still will lose.
0: That's it. That's a record for the for the blues. I reckon <laughs> they. I
3: reckon they hit the Pharmacy today, mate. <laughs> they played they played like they were on something they must have gone and asked Bomber Thompson what he used <laughs> 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 must have worked
0: yeah there we go it worked so <laughs> alright before we dive headfirst into the Eels and uh, Sea Eagles game um, NRL news um, Storm winger Will Warbrick again we'll, we will break that down when we review that game he has agreed to a three year contract extension that we'll see him stay at the Melbourne Storm until twenty twenty six. What else have I got? Shane Flanagan has also been announced to take over the head coach of St George Illawarra Dragons till two thousand and twenty four on a three year deal. Do you think, Josh? That's a that's a smart move.
3: Wow, Flanagan was the uh, the man to take the Sharkies to the Holy Grail, which which had deprived them for so long. I think aside from the controversy that surrounded Flanagan towards the end of his tenure at the Sharks, you can't argue with the fact that he took a really good squad to the promised land and beat a very seasoned Melbourne storm outfit to win that long awaited Premiership. So yes, I do think it is a great appointment. I think that he's got a lot of, a lot to prove and he's definitely got a reputation that he needs to rebuild. But Flanagan is, is a really good appointment and I would be jumping at that
0: 100%. Yep. Yeah, no, well said. Um, on the Dragons, Ben Hunt wants out this year. Is that a big loss for them?
3: Yeah, 100%. Origin star. Um, I think hopefully Flanagan, you know, if people can get in his ear and and maybe talk him around to staying, it's never too late. But one thing I love about the NRL is how honest the players can be through the season. AFL is still a bit immature in that sense where NRL, a player will say quite early that they want to leave and they still, you know, get on with it and, and finish the year at the club. So, it is a big loss if they lose him. I'd just love to see where he goes. I, I think North Queensland might be might be his home next year, but we'll see what happens.
0: Well, you never know, but good luck to to Benny Hunt there. All the see best it. for the future. All right, Eels and Sea Eagles. Now, I don't know if you watched that game, but what embarrassment for Manly. Eels just ran all over him. Dominating. Was, oh,
1: Very dominating.
0: Completely dominating. And the way I viewed it, that early sin bin for weeks, just after eight minutes, that was the beginning of the end for Manly. A minute later, the meat pies just started
3: raining in. Mate, no no Cherry Evans, no Manly. So just some stats to tuck to at you. So obviously the scoreline was 34-4, but... Um, Eels, one word to describe them, dominant. So they had 30 less missed tackles. They had 14 plus, plus 14 dummy passes. They had a 62% pass rate. They had a 79% completion rate compared to the Seagulls' 66% completion rate. Yep. The Seagulls only were at 38% for passing efficiency, which is horrific. Um, The Eels ran an additional 812 Meters, so when you think about a a rugby league field, it's not huge. So when you're running an extra 812 meters, they had an additional 30 tackle breaks and an additional seven offloads. There's a dominance in any sport I've seen, any match that was a dominance. It could have been 80 84. The Eagles, I think that that scoreline flattered the Eagles. I reckon, see, Harrison,
0: mate. I agree, like, the game doesn't really need breaking down too much, you just summed it all up there, Josh, the stats, yeah. just all in favour of the Eels, they just walked all over them, but one question I will ask you, um, Clink Gutherson, he had a fantastic game now, one try, five conversions um, he was involved a lot, would you have selected him over James Tedesco for the New South Wales squad given the yes. current form?
3: Yes, if if Name wasn't a guarantee. I think Teddy's getting a game at the starting fullback just based off what he's done in the past. We spoke about this last week. Clint Gutherson is is the best fullback in the NRL. Yes, even over Reese Walsh. But he won't get a game because no one will get in front of the Holy Grail in Teddy until Teddy decides that he will actually do the team thing and and maybe step down and and maybe be a true captain and come out and say, you know what, I'm not the best man for the job. I reckon Clint is, and put Teddy as. Teddy, you could shift him to the bench. You could shift him to to a 5'8". Um, he, he could be shifted around. But until he actually acknowledges that he's not the right man for the job, he'll, no one will overtake his position.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, shall we roll on to the Storm game? I thought that game was uh, very interesting.
3: Let's do it up the
0: stormers okay. up the storm um well where do we start really i think it was a bit of a topsy turvy game for the storm i thought i thought they they just didn't really look into it at times um especially during the start of the second half they they were not at their best that's for sure i mean i know they had a weakened inside given origin the defence was very scrambly but it did seem to pick up as that half went on. Um, you look at... For me, the worst part of Storm's game was their defence. And I feel like week in, week out, the defence is the weakest part of the team compared to the offence. Um, you look at the effective tackles, right? So effective tackles, 83.94% for the Storm. And the Tigers, 9142 Tackles made, the... The Tigers had 373 to Storm's 298. And again, I see this as a repeated pattern, missed tackles. Storm had 36 missed tackles to Tigers' 21. So yeah. it just reinforces my, my well, idea of Storm's defense is the weakest part of the team. I feel like the Tigers just didn't take their chances. So if they did, maybe the result would have been different.
3: You got it. You got to look at it too, mate. So you've got no Munster, no no Xavier Coates, no Ryan Pappenhausen, no. You got Nick Meany who, who stands up, but we know absolute absolute champion. But he was pretty much it was him and Hughes. No Harry Grant, no Christian Welch. They had you no one. No. They pretty much had their starting lineup out. So, when you look at that performance, I highlighted three players that I've fallen in love with. Warbrick, um, four tries, 156 metres ran, two tackle three, two diffuse kicks. Nick Meaney, most underrated fullback in the comp. Um, a speed-the-ball player of three, 3.67 seconds, which is the quickest play-the-ball speed, uh, play speed rate out of any player in the comp. Try-assist, two... Diffused kicks, he had a total of 45 passes for zero errors. So, and Tyra and Wishart was the same, 67 passes with zero errors. So, Meany, Wishart and Warbrick were, were the standouts last night in, in what was a, a fairly good game. For I the couldn't storm.
0: agree. I couldn't agree more with you there, Josh. I thought Wishart especially
1: was very present and like you said earlier up, storm obviously losing half of their players to the origin and still getting a 28 to 6 win it's a pretty yeah. good credit to him
0: yeah for sure like wishart got his first try in 22 games 24 tackles good in defense for the storm um yeah credit to him and but i want to give a shout out to alex Twal for getting his first try his first nrl try i think it was in 116 games he got Correct. his first try so Shout out to him. That's well deserved. You see the look on his face. He was it was so happy. But that...
1: he's categorised as a, the most likable rugby person, isn't he? Yeah, he was
0: on he was on NRL three hundred and sixteen not so long ago, and yeah, he's he's a good lad. He's good a good lad. Well done, um, Alex. Yeah, well done, Alex. Um, another player for the Storm, Nelson. Thought he had a great game. Got into a little bit of a scuffle with John Bateman. Did you see that, Josh?
3: I did. I
0: did. I love <laughs> sexy. I mean, one of the commentators was saying Nelson has got hands the size of dinner plates. <laughs> you wouldn't want to cop one of them to the to the face. <laughs> but yeah, big shout out um, to to Nels.
3: All credit to to the uh, Tigers, though they didn't take a step down when Big Nels was going after them. So yeah, um, courage, c- courage personified right there.
2: That's it.
1: All right, lads. Let's talk the Ashes. How are we thinking? How's England? Took you, mate. Come they, on, England. Right. Come on
2: up, the boys. They won to England. <laughs>
3: they haven't won. No. What do you mean, no? no. Like, have you seen I've, the latest score, Chris? What? Three, what was it? Three eleven for five. As much as I, I can't stand England, right, you got to give credit where credit's due. They, Brenda McCullum and, and Benny Stokes have reinvigorated Test cricket, like, an early dec- declaration on day one at 357 or whatever it was is just unheard of. But what England are doing is they're making test cricket interesting for people who don't necessarily love cricket. So we were not expecting England to, to declare at such a low score. But the fact of the matter is Ben Stokes backs his bowlers in to come out and do a job, which they've done a pretty good job, might I say. And it's forcing Australia to become very mo- much more attacking than other than otherwise they would be. So, I think England's setting this series up to be a really exciting series. And, and now, hundred percent it will be.
2: The bowl of the day's got to go to Mo Alley. You see that spin? Good turn.
3: Good turn.
1: It was a good spin. I I actually reckon the ball day had to be. Um... What's his name? Broad. To Shane. First ball, mate. Oh, yeah. crowd yeah, behind him, First ball. Out you go. Cheering him up. <laughs> you get the number one seed batsman in test cricket out for a duck, mate. That doesn't happen. Yeah, true. And, um, yeah, credit to him. He was on fire, mate. But, yeah, rubbish. Mo and Ali, actually, <laughs> Mo and Ali actually, actually had a really good delivery, mate. So, that's the second, second best.
3: With yeah. leg spin, off spin. So, Mo and Ali, Nathan Lyon. Shame, Warne at his at his peak. You really rely on your left arm seamers, so your quick bowlers, to to develop some really nice rough footprints at around twenty two meter pitch. So around about eighteen meters, because when you're when you've got your off spinners, particularly bowling to a right hand batsman, they need to aim for those cracks. And like Mo and Ali did, if you can hit that rough you're going to turn the ball a mile. And we still got to remember that these boys are bowling at 80, 90 kilometres an hour. So it's still bloody quick. So it's not easy to just charge down the pitch and slog. Exactly. And, and these this this day and age, the revs on the ball means that the ball swings in the air as well. So it's a lot harder to just slot down the pitch and slog it. So Mo and Ali gets quite a lot of movement in the air as well as on the bounce. Um, so, yeah, really, really, really good Spell from from Mo and Ali, not just that ball. And um, I just want to go back. Just want to go
1: back to um, what you said earlier about Ball and how they've changed Test cricket in the eyes of the uh, viewers. How's this for a stat for you, Joshua? No player um better in, encapsulates how England has overhauled its approach to red ball cricket than opener Ben Duckett since returning back to England's Test side last year. Duggett has faced 710 deliveries at test level, leaving only eight of them, which equals to about 1.1%. So he left eight deliveries out of the 710. That just shows you how much of a game style changes yeah. compared to other and test I'll... teams. Well,
2: yeah. He's England not... are scoring like a, 4, a 4.85 runs per over. So that's under the Stokes McCallum leadership. And that's more than one whole run than Australia's at the minute. So they
1: that. That's just under a good one day like run rate,
3: let alone a test match. I yeah. think the thing is, that's you're going to die die in your own sword eventually too. Now, England are coming up against the statistically, historically one of the best bowling attacks ever. It, it, is this Australian bowling attack? You have got Nathan Lyon who. Is the highest leading off spinner in world in world cricket and Australian cricket. You've got Pat Cummins who is, a, is an absolute freak. You've got Scott Boland who moves a ball a country mile. You've got Mitchell Stark who misses out. You've got Josh Hazelwood who on form is probably our best pace bowler. So for the English batsman to take that on, really impressive. My question is. Can they do it the whole series? If they can, then they'll win. But that's my question about England's tactic is is can they do it for the whole series? I, I hope
0: so. I hope we can do it for the whole series. But I just want to give a shout out to Joe Root. Yeah. He's uh he's now got 30 centuries in in Test cricket for England. He's now three off of Alistair Cook.
1: Hmm.
0: So Mate, Joe he's tall. Root is, is he the best what, batsman we've ever
3: for seen? England or ever?
1: Mm.
3: Oh, I was going to say, Sachin Tanduka. From, oh, uh, no, not ever. I
1: was going to say ever. Wow. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> no, no. You're about for to England. get your head taken off your shoulders there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> for oh,
0: England, mate. For England.
3: I, I would say Alistair for Cook England, is still yeah. ahead of him because Alistair yeah. Cook I'd did it Alistair. for a lot longer. In, against a lot better opposition. So when Alistair Cook was playing, he was facing consistently Shane Warne, Brett Lee, Glenn McGrath. Um, he was facing your, your Wazi Akram, your Dale Stain. Like when fast bowling was at its greatest, Alistair Cook was there and Alistair Cook was consistently making yeah, runs. So yeah. not yet, no.
0: That does reflect his average. Joe Root's average 50.7. 50, 50 the test matches and Alex, the cook was 45.35 runs.
1: Do I got a question for you, Dan? Do you rate Joe root over Stephen Smith? Dan doesn't know Steven Smith
0: is. Don't. Don't, yeah. I'm the wrong person to ask ads. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll that. I'll that.
3: Josh, do you rate? <laughs> Start with N, with N Josh, and then with It's okay. only a two letter word. And after that, all the expletives, do not get me started. Steve Smith, apart from the fact that he deliberately cheated, aside from that, in terms of batsmen, Steve Smith performs on every continent. Joe Root couldn't go to a... I was going to say something really wrong there, but I won't. Joe Root couldn't go to India and buy runs. So, Steve Smith all the way. But, yes, Joe Root, as much as I hate to say it, he's a twat, but... He's a good player, sorry.
0: Yeah. So I think the more realistic question is who wins this, this test? England. Yeah, come on the boys. Australia get battered.
1: I I'm gonna have to disagree. <laughs> not uh, not because I'm an Aussie. Well, it's all but because you're an I Aussie. feel like you guys declaring instead of putting on an extra sixty to seventy runs might cost you here. I don't it know why busy. he declared. It was risky. It was ballsy, it was risky, but Australia back in the game, mate, yeah. we're only 86 runs behind with five wickets to go. I know Khawaja's on 120-odd, and Kerry, God, Kerry's playing an absolute blinder as well on 50-odd. Mate. But if you do not get them out in the first hour of day three, they're going to swing past you, and they're going to, England's going to be trailing by 150. I don't know why we declared
2: so, at so- that point. like I'm really, And you go... It's the, be- the best batsman in the world. And three or four of the best batsmen in the world. I don't know why we declared. Oh, it's all about sorry.
0: tactics, brav. Well,
2: he, he trusts his bowlers, but you're going against the best batsman in the world. Get all the runs you, you could possibly get. It's, it seems stupid to me. Especially silly. on but day you
3: one. Understand. You're still on day one. Yeah, why you you do you understand too? The thought process for for Stokes is, right, you, you declare at 3.57 on day one, right? The Aussies make, say, 400 all out by midway through day three. England come in and whack a quick fire three, 400. They then have a lead of 400 leading into day four and five. Given it's a dry pitch, the cracks are going to start to really surface on day four and five, and it's going to be a near impossible pitch to bat on, especially with your off spinners. So Stokes' attacking mindset is make a good first innings total, Restrict Australia to a set to a first innings total. Come in again. England smash a quick fire three, four hundred, then go at Australia for the next two days on a rubbish road. So I can see why he did it. He's just bucking the trend and I love it. I think it's great for Test cricket.
1: Hmm. I I think it's great for Test cricket as well. Like he's back in his abilities, obviously his bowlers and all that. But let's go the other way and let's say if it doesn't work, instead of batting on, getting to 500 runs and putting the pressure back on Australia, let's say Australia, like I said earlier, go and make that extra 150 runs. The way that England plays, they could be bowled out for 150 and Australia not necessarily have to play in a second innings. Why would you not bat on, hit 500, you got Joe Root on 130-odd, whatever he was on at the time. And kick on, make 500, put the pressure on Australia. They're not coming out and making 350 without any pressure. They're not I having any that, pressure
2: at the moment. Look, no, no, do you know us, what I'm saying? None of us expected Roots and Bairstow to come up with 196 overs between them. Like, let's be honest. We didn't expect Roots to come up with a century in, in this in this ashes, but he did. Whether he's going to do it again, that's another question. I I think you should have I will stay on, on Ben
3: Stokes, though, right, and, and your point there, Ad. We live in a society where we we punt a lot right and and we invest in shares we punt what reason why do we punt at the chance of winning yeah but we also know there's an equal chance of losing ben stokes is just doing that he's taking the punt he he knows that there's an even chance that he's got not it's gonna not work out but he doesn't care he would rather take the risk and win and risk losing, then bat on for another half, two days, and then a draw all of a sudden is the most likely outcome. This game can't be drawn now. So there's going to be a result, which I think is the best thing for cricket. But I know you're saying about a punt. It is
1: an early punt. We're not talking about day two, day three. Well, I it, love it day I one, one sure. mate.
2: Yeah, so I mean. One.
1: Declaring on day one is... Anyway. I, I thought they would have went on to day two... You know, hit out until lunch. Maybe have your ten overs before lunch. But I thought it was premature, and unfortunately for Stokesy, Stokesy, even though they've played a good game, I think they're going to lose. So I think I think, think that it was decision, the wrong call. Yeah, I think that call is going to come and bite him. But it off. And again, he'll learn from it. It, it, it may pay off, and we'll. I'll I'll take my hat off and be like, "Well, Stokesy, you made the right call." They might pull. Kawaja and carry out and get Australia out under that and then pull on another 500. But I just think it's going to go the other way. And, um, but the, the odds... Yeah, it might be a bad... Call.
2: The odds on you bowling out Kawaja are slim. This is what I'm saying. He's what, number... Is he number one or is he number three batsman in the world? Number one, He's yeah.
1: number
2: one? Yeah. No, no, no. Kawaja's number nine. Is he number nine? nine? nine in the world. I mean, he celebrated yeah, like yeah. an yeah. absolute flog when he got his century, to be honest embarrassing
1: yeah so why he celebrated was because he doesn't have a really good record internationally in england uh i think he only averaged 18 odd and um there was a lot of talk about him especially coming off the test final um about him not doing well and not getting a high score so for him to get 100 that's why he flipped up the bat and was like i don't need my bat man i'm back i'm back so credit to him and that's a quick shout out to Quadra as well. Don't that's worry about Joe Root, yep. mate. You're the you're the uh, hundred we all want to talk about on this podcast. So that's it. <laughs> so all
0: right. Um, before we wrap this up with our first caller, um, has anyone got any other general sports news?
1: No, I'm all good, mate. No,
0: nope. I've only got two items. A um, bit of old sports news, but in case you missed it, Forty um, er Enterprises has agreed agreed to purchase the remaining stake in Leeds United. Um they already own 44% of Leeds, but have now agreed to purchase the remaining 56%. Um, we'll see what that brings to the club. And the only other item I've got is England and Australia are now through to the quarterfinals of the Darts World Cup. So hopefully we see you boys in the final. And we'll bat you at that as well. Where's it
2: being um, held? Uh, yes.
0: Uh, Holland, I uh, think. I think. Yeah. I think. Stop. Maybe. Yeah, so. Stokesy
1: will come on and uh, declare early so we'll get the win
0: alright alright let's move on to our first caller Chris do you want to play yeah, that for I'm us
4: good day this sports society it's uh, Ian here Dan's brother-in-law loving this podcast lads it's, uh, it's fast becoming one of my favourite ones so I keep that up it's absolutely amazing um, I was listening to the radio the other day and a question got posed that I thought was quite quite funny quite thought-provoking uh, quite intriguing at times and um, basically what it is is this guy said you know like you, you you've you've done the whole like you've got married you've had kids kids growing up one of your kids though has become very successful at a sport thought so for this instance football soccer whatever you want to call it and you know, they've been selected to go professional but it's with your arch rivals so they've, they've been playing with their arch rivals for a while you're not too happy about it but you're encouraging them because you're your dad you know letting them crack on um but they've made it into the first team uh they're playing regularly every weekend and stuff but it comes down to a clinch game where it's your team versus their team and it's a cup final it's a title decider whatever it is but it also comes down to penalties and your kid is taking the deciding penalty so if they score, your team goes down, or they lose the cup. If they miss, your, your team gets everything. So are you sat there in the in the stands, are you yelling abuse at them, try to put them off, hoping that they miss it, that they mess it up, uh, keeper saves it, whatever, or are you going to sit there quietly, or maybe loudly, encouraging them, supporting them, because it's your, it's your child, you know what I mean, what he's doing. Personally, I'd be yelling all kinds of abuse, hoping they'd sky but that's just me. What would you guys do?
0: Thanks, Ian. That's a a great call. Thanks for that, mate. Um,
4: I'm yelling
0: abuse. Yeah, look, I'm hurling abuse at my child from the stands. They'll have a long career ahead of them, so, yeah, they are going to get an earful from me. And they're probably going to come off crying if they miss, but (laughs) at the end of the day, I can give a toss. So
1: I just want to—I just want to throw a number out to you, lads. Alright, six thousand two hundred and seventy-five. Does any of you know what that number is? No. Go on. That is the number of days since Essendon hasn't won a final. <laughs> Boy oh boy am I not supporting my daughter I'm supporting Essendon mate If we have a chance to win this game That's it I don't care mate You're rigging that game I do not care You're not coming home for dinner I'm not getting you a Christmas present I ain't getting you nothing Unless you rig that game Yeah, Essendon has not won a final since 2004 I'm, I'm telling you now like I am given the abuse I'm supporting I've supported,
2: supported this team my whole life I've only known you
1: a couple of years mate I'm booing you <laughs> <laughs> exactly what i'm thinking <laughs> no nah, in all seriousness because i am a dad i'd actually support my baby girl so in all seriousness i would i'd be happy just knowing that um she's won a title premiership whatever you want to call it so nah. oh, and nah, if she's on that. with my nah, opposition team even even though if it is collingwood from the afl or man sydney because i go for arsenal now even though they um, go for that team I'll, I'll chuck a jumper on and I'll support her no
2: so. you cannot you cannot put the no. rival team's jumper on even if you're even if your baby's playing from what. by that point right <laughs> by that point your kid's gonna be what let's say 20 years old he's going to have annoyed you at some point Get or out. she's going to have annoyed you at some point. I'm booing the crap out of this kid.
1: Like, <laughs> this is my team. Let's, let's like wait till you guys. have kids, mate. Uh.
2: I support these guys <laughs> through thick and thin and then my child <laughs> comes around, he signs for them, one bad decision for, I don't know who made that decision, if it was me, it's my fault. But anyway, if he goes and plays for <laughs> them and he relegates my team, he's moving out, for one. He's moving out. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. <laughs>
0: Get out of the house. I mean if they if they <laughs> score and they get all the glory, then you know what, fair play to them, great, living the glory, but you're coming home and you're not getting dinner, so
1: mate, I'm telling get you out. now <laughs> I'm telling you now, Chris, if they're playing if they're playing you know, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, and making big bucks and still living at Dad's house, they've got some issues, mate. <laughs> so <laughs> well, you won't depends be kicking them out, mate. <laughs> depends
2: what age you're talking, but yeah
1: um john
2: terry's um dad and brother um dad and uncle sorry um a west ham fans and when he i think when he scored against west ham he went over to the corner and there's a iconic photo of his dad and his uncle hurling abuse at him giving him the one of that sign, <laughs> giving him the two fingers Mate, your
1: you club's your club. I don't care who it is. My nan could be playing for it. I love my nan, but I'm no, sorry,
0: nan. <laughs> Come on, man. Bring home the chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> Bring home the chocolates. No, but yeah, no, to, to wrap this up, thanks for Ian for, for our first call. I really appreciate that. But to all our listeners out there, if you do have any questions or topics or funny conversations that we can have, um, we ask if you just record it on your phone just using the regular voice recording app and then save it and then email it to the sports society podcast at gmail.com. Or alternatively, ads, do you want to mention the socials?
1: Yep, so guys, we're on Instagram, the sports society podcast and like Dan saying, just feel free to message us and um, yeah, we'll go from there. Hopefully we can get your question on.
0: All right boys, good session. Be
1: Well, that was a ripping question. was a good question. That was a great yeah. question,
0: hopefully. Yeah, any listeners, if you've got any questions like that for us, just send them in. That's fantastic. Yeah. 100%. But if, that, if that's all, boys, we'll see you next week. See you
2: next week. Thanks, Cheers. guys. Cheers. All right. Cheers, boys.